0: Welcome to Between the Gutters, where we talk about the stories within the panel. I'm your co-host, Albert, and with us is our other co-host...
1: Yo, this is Drew. What's up, Inbetweeners?
0: Hey, hey. So, this week, we're going to cover another comic, as we usually do. Uh, there's been news as of late that uh, the series Saga is going to be coming back from hiatus. Well, and we, we thought... don't know exactly when
1: it's coming back. We just know oh. it's coming back at some point. <laughs> Probably will be this year.
0: Okay, okay. Well, it was announced that at some point it would come back, so that's more of an inclination that we've had in a good long while that anything was going to happen. And uh, Sag- uh, Yeah,
1: I mean, basically it was just BKV putting something up on his Instagram saying that he hasn't forgotten about Saga and that it will come back at some point. So all we got to do is just keep on living until that
0: moment arrives. Well, we could go the extra step and make sure that He keeps on living. We need to do everything in our
1: power to protect him and Fiona Staples so that they can stay alive long enough
0: to finish their masterpiece. Exactly. Yeah. So So, for those of you that are fans. If if you uh, see
1: them crossing the street, make sure you cross with
0: them so that they don't get struck by a truck. Do not hesitate to sacrifice your body for their well-being. Take a bullet for them. Yeah, stomp a child if you think that child will grow up to murder <laughs> Brian K. Vaughn or Fiona Staples. Just why, why would a kid try to kill them? I don't know. If I look into the eyes of a child and I see in my heart of hearts that that child will grow up to become a murderer of someone that I love, I won't hesitate to smash that kid into the ground
1: Now it's just starting to sound like you're looking for an excuse to
0: beat up a kid. Maybe, maybe. That's where the court's to decide.
1: It was self-defense, Your Honor. In 15 more years, he was going to kill my favorite comic book artist.
0: Every day, he gets stronger, and I get weaker. This is when I will have the most uh, leverage over him. I needed to take advantage. What are we even talking about now? Apparently we're talking about plans to beat up children. Albert, if you had to beat up an eight-year-old kid, how would you go about it? Oh, man. I would pick up another child and club him over the head with that child. (laughs) Sounds like you need to
1: visit a preschool and play whack-a-mole with the kids using another kid as a whacker.
0: (laughs) Um, But anyways, uh, yeah, so... Um yeah, just in brief, uh Saga was a pretty well regarded series that came out a few years back. I don't know how many years exactly. Um you oh, mind Saga giving us the a-
1: launched back in March of twenty twelve. Uh okay. I'll just run down the credits. I guess yeah, there we go. we're we're at it. So co-created by Brian K. Vaughn and Fiona Staples. BKV is the writer. Fiona Staples does the art. That includes the line art as well as the coloring, which is pretty insane if you think about the amount of work it takes. And, and she also letters part of the, the comic. And and uh, there's also uh, Phono Graphics, who does the logo treatment, the design, and the rest of the lettering for the series. So really small team here. Uh, there's not really uh, – I mean, it's an image book, so – you can you just know that it's everything that gets published is pretty much unfiltered and, and it's what they wanted to create. Yeah. Which is probably the purest form of storytelling.
0: Yeah. Brian K. Vaughn was already a pretty known quantity at the point in his career where he decided to write Saga, but I wanna say that Saga just propelled his career on an even bigger path like mm-hmm. it, it was something that was creator owned and uh like you mentioned he 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 wanted to tell a story he wanted to do it his way and image gave him the uh the room to do it and he kind of showed other uh other creative talents that he didn't need something like the big two i mean the other creative talents were finding this out in other ways but he was definitely a shining example of going your own way and just making it big because saga when it came out was just a critical darling i think yeah it was a critical darling it it sold really well and became a big
1: success yeah ended up winning a bunch of awards I think it won according to wikipedia uh, it won 12 eisner awards and 17 harvey awards that's crazy yeah those are pretty much the the top two industry awards and like between 2013 and 2017 they were just dominating even the first story arc won a hugo award uh you know the science fiction uh award for best graphic story Mm -hmm. so this is a series that is just incredibly acclaimed uh and very popular as well so i guess sometimes it it feels like it, it's hard to find stories that get a lot of acclaim but is also beloved by the masses but this is probably one of those you know and as an yeah. image book i think it stands out uh for the time period it came out because it came out kind of during a lull like There was a period of time when, in the early 2000s, right, when The Walking Dead came out and Invincible came out, Image, people started to look at Image as the place to go for their creator-owned stories, and and everybody wanted to create the new, or the next Walking Dead, you know, Mm. some big hit indie comic that they could own, and then for a while it, it got kind of hard to to see you know what was going to last and when saga came out that was that's probably been image's most successful book since then i mean i haven't i didn't really do much numbers research into this but i'm pretty confident that saga was their most successful book since something like the walking dead mm In terms of sales, like, the the first issue is something that it burned through the first printing. I mean, if you're a key collector, you're probably going (laughs) to pay, like, a bunch of money for it. And it's just constantly getting reprinted. The the trade paperbacks are always readily available. Mm. You know, this is something that is for everybody to read. Unless you're a
0: kid. It's not really for kids. Yeah, yeah. There's a... There's some, uh, let's call them, interesting visual things going on in there.
1: But <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, one yeah. of the other things about Saga that I I thought was cool about uh, how, like you were saying, it you know BKV was already a pretty established name at this point. You know he had been writing comics since I think if not the mid nineties, the late nineties mm-hmm. doing a lot of Marvel and, and DC stuff. And of course, uh, his, his first real big hit was why the last man over at vertigo mm-hmm. DC imprints. And there's, uh, a Verti- uh, a TV series based on that. That's coming out soon. The, the trailer came out uh, yeah. maybe a week ago for yeah. why the last man, I think it's going to be on Hulu. So that was something that he uh, put out or co-created with Pia Guerra back in the early 2000s. And then a few years after that, he had a series called Ex Machina, which was published by Wildstorm, another DC Comics imprint. Then at some point, I think after Y had had ended and maybe during the time he was wrapping up uh, Ex Machina started writing stuff for tv yeah and he was working on shows like lost uh i Beneath forget if there's the dome was, was under another the show dome. under the yeah. dome
0: there we go was another show he worked on
1: i think the show i don't know when he started working on the show but i think the show might have come out during the run of saga so okay but yeah you know he's it's all just to point out that he's he's like this pretty prolific creator yeah. And he stays busy for sure. Yeah, yeah. Like just look at his bibliography, and he he's got a bunch of great stuff. We we've we've talked about uh runaways on one of our episodes in the past, and that was one of his Marvel comics. Mm-hmm. You know, he, he's he's got a lot of great comics, like pretty much everything he's he's done is worth reading. Yeah. You know, yeah. even even his really early work is still entertaining. Mm. But when it came to to saga I think one of the interesting things about Saga is that he ended up asking Fiona Staples to work with him and she was kind of an unknown name at the time, mm-hmm. you know, at, at that point, I think the only thing that I really knew her for was random Wildstorm comic. <laughs> she did this Jack Hawksmore mini series. Do you remember that one?
0: I believe so. It was like a six issue that was kind of a, uh, it wasn't like a, it was like an origin story. Yeah, exactly. I was going to say, like, a secret origin of Jack Hawksmore or something like that, right? Yeah, yeah.
1: Yeah. I think it was called The Secret History of the Authority, Jack Hawksmore.
0: Oh, okay. There we go. Yeah. Uh, I had some of the working pieces. <laughs> yeah. Close enough, man. Close enough. Yeah. Yeah. Fact, I do that was remember a, that. a story that I, I, I remember finding it in a quarter bin, like, a bunch of years ago. I think it might have even been a dime bin, because I want to say you yeah. got that from Elusive, that one Black oh, yeah, Friday. That's right.
1: I think it was the dime bin.
0: Yeah, so they were like, it was 60 cents. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh. I think that comic, it,
1: it was okay. Like, her art was, was cool and, and stuff, but I don't really remember the story particularly well. I think some guy, whoever wrote it, wasn't really uh, anyone who stood out to me.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: so when when saga came out it was like she leveled up you know like yeah in a big way jack Hawksmore comic was was decent but then uh when i saw saga was like whoa this this really stands out you know like this is different it kind of looks like almost like those like definitely the cover of the first issue and, and like the promo stuff that came out when uh when they were uh, pumping out or you know hyping up Saga to the public, it reminded me of like Drew Struzen or those you know 70s or 80s movie posters. Like she she definitely has that kind of classical style and eye for composition uh, and the way that she colors things is it's got it doesn't look like a lot of jobber comics that you see from the big two nowadays or you know in the past 10 years. Coloring is definitely one of the the strengths of her as an artist.
0: Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I Um, found it
1: pretty cool that uh, BKV ended up working with her, you know. And and now she's, like, one of the the biggest artists in in the industry. Yeah. She's going
0: to be doing magic cards. (laughs) Did those already come out? I don't know if they came out yet. I I don't think they did because I feel like they just announced them, so... Um. Yeah, they're like a secret. I think they're a secret lair drop that they're doing. Uh, that she's exclusively doing the art for.
1: Oh, okay, Um, okay.
0: So that's cool,
1: right? Yeah, totally, totally. I mean, even even throughout uh the time that saga's been going, like so so how saga's been published, they they usually uh published six issue increments like those those tended to come out pretty much on a monthly basis and then when that arc was completed they would take a a couple months off and then the trade would come out and then Mm -hmm. they would start the the next arc yeah so they've taken some breaks here and there and and right now this the series has been on hiatus since for about three years already yeah like since summer 2018 yeah uh and and uh during it's, during that time she's she's done a few other things here and there like a bunch of different covers for other comics. I remember when when uh, Mark Wade started writing Archie, she actually drew the first few issues of it.
0: Nice, nice. Yeah. Yeah, I I want to say that currently the series is at 52 issues? 54. 54? 54. Okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah, so um yeah, I noticed that they were pretty pretty good at about... Like, it wasn't like they just stopped out of nowhere, right? Like, they were pretty deliberate in how much of the story they were putting out. And, um, you know, it it felt like this was a, a really long story that was going to take place over the course of um, the life of all the characters mm-hmm. uh, that they created. So you really do feel like you're getting uh, incremental chunks uh, that they planned out uh, of of the story, you know?
1: Yeah, yeah. Especially yeah. because you can see that time
0: does pass
1: because yeah. one of the main characters is the baby, uh, Hazel, and you see her grow uh, over yeah. the years. Yeah. Uh, Brian K. Vaughn and Fiona Staples did say that the series – is intended to be 108 issues. So mm. they've started about at the, the halfway midway mark. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, yeah, you want to go into a, just a brief uh, uh, description or synopsis of what the story is?
1: Yeah, yeah. Why don't yeah. you
0: go ahead and share the general premise?
1: Yeah. It's all going to be, a, just for our listeners, we'll, we'll start off with a completely spoiler-free discussion. Uh, you know, for those... Who haven't read it you know this is i guess you could consider this us just trying to talk about it in a in a general way
0: uh, without spoiling the story we're just going to try to plant the seeds of your interest so that Mm -hmm. you're just just as interested enough and teased enough to go out and explore it on your own or if you don't care about spoilers you'll continue to follow us uh in this episode as we go into greater detail but Either way. Yeah.
1: We'll, we'll give a spoilful warning when exactly. the time comes. <laughs> As
0: of right now, we are in spoil free territory. Yes. <laughs> we are just butchering the English language. <laughs> <laughs> I'm still waiting for you to, to make those t-shirts, man. <laughs> uh, wh- I need to see enough uh, people hit us up on Instagram or Twitter. <laughs> Or any of our social really and, and let me know that this is something that they want. And <laughs> maybe I'll half acidly come up with something.
1: <laughs> you, you know what the people really do want though, Albert? What's they want that? you to use your nineteen twenty Chicago gangster voice more often.
0: <laughs> I, I prefer to use that for special occasions, mostly like weddings, maybe bar mitzvahs <laughs> Yeah, see, today you are our man, see? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now, now I'm just imagining you,
1: imagining you using that voice while you beat up a kid.
0: <laughs> that was my 1920s uh, Chicago gangster pretending to be a rabbi. <laughs> <laughs> uh, anyways, uh, the brief uh, description. Of the story goes as follows. Uh, there are two warring planets that exist in their universe, uh, one called Wreath and one called Landfall. Is that right?
1: Yeah, although I think Wreath uh, is actually a
0: moon that orbits That's Landfall. That's right. Yeah. right. You're right. So Wreath is actually a moon that orbits Landfall, like you said, but they're both uh, inhabited by mm-hmm. their respective species. And at the beginning of the story, you find out that these two planets have been at war for centuries. And the war is just so massive in scope that it it's even expanded beyond these two planets to the point where they're actually fighting a bunch of proxy wars with a bunch of uh, species uh, across the Galaxy, I want to say. Mm -hmm. Um, but as the story starts, so as the story starts out, the the war has already been going on for a while, to the point where it's just it's just almost part of the background. You know, it's just a normal way of living, and Mm -hmm. you what you have are two characters, two two beings on the run. Uh, one is a soldier from Wreath uh who's a prisoner uh what's his name marco marco and alana who is another soldier from uh, landfall who was essentially his uh his captor or not captor but his one of the guards in the prison uh, camp yeah one of the guards in the prison exactly but when the story starts out they're on the run because they've fallen in love and they've had a, they've had a child with each other and they're just trying to start a new life away from this war they want to uh yeah they just want to have this new life together where they're not caught up in this conflict and this uh, and the story follows the two of them as they uh right at the beginning of the story they they were not only in love and married uh but the soldier, Alana, from Landfall, she's pregnant with a child that's a hybrid of both their species. And mm-hmm. right at the beginning, forces on from both planets are after this couple, this family, mm-hmm. to, for whatever reason, either to uh, erase the existence of this child or to to use it as some sort of political cudgel uh but that's 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 basically the short version of the story um is there anything that you wanted to mention or anything you felt the uh, was worth highlighting Drew I guess i would just add that
1: the crux of the st- or the thrust of the plot is that it's about Alana and Marco and their baby Hazel just on the run from these different these different groups of people that are chasing them. Uh, and the other thing that I would wanna mention is, is that all of Alana's people, the people from her planet, they all have wings. That's mm. kind of the distinguishing feature of their species. Like they all right. might look different and their wings might come in different forms. Like you might see some of them that have wings that look like uh, bird wings some of them have wings that look like insect wings or mm-hmm. bat wings, but the point is that the people on from their planet have some kind of wings mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. whereas the people from Marco's moon they have horns. So that could be like a single unicorn like horn or it could be like, like a ram's horns or ram horns. Yeah. So it you know it can look different yeah. but they, they just have some kind of protrusion grown out of their head. And, and the other, that, oh huh? go ahead. No, uh, I was go just going to say ahead. that the other hook is that landfall is known for their technology, whereas Reef uh, Marco's Moon is known for uh, their soldiers using some kind of magic abilities. Mm. Yep. So it's a world that's populated with all sorts of other aliens in between. So uh, some you mentioned some of the uh, other worlds that this war has spilled out to um you know kind of like proxy wars that are fought uh using through alliances or conscripts from other planets and other species so yeah. like there's all these other different types of people um, yeah it's a we'll, pretty flushed yeah. out
0: world with a lot of uh yeah a lot of just different characters lots of moving parts for sure mm-hmm.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: were you gonna say something while i was talking earlier no 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 i i was just uh i was agreeing with you Oh, okay. So, yeah. Good job there, Drew.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Thank you, Albert. Uh,
0: That's the ticket. You got it.
1: (laughs) No cement shoes for me, huh? (laughs) So, Uh, let me ask you a general question, Albert. But, do you dig it? Do you dig Saga? You
0: like it? I appreciate it. I, I. I see I think I see what the appeal is and there there's definitely elements or aspects of it that I'm I'm invested in, you know, to the to the point where um I I I enjoyed what I read and when more comes out, I I want to know what the trajectory of their story is. I want to know where it goes and I'm curious to see how the lives of these characters end up. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I I I I definitely think that the uh that the accolades are warranted. Mhm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, what about so, you, Drew? What, oh, go ahead.
1: Oh, I was going to ask you what were the things that you appreciated about it?
0: Uh I like Brian Brian K Vaughn's sense of dialogue. Uh, the art is definitely good, but um, you know he he has a pretty casual way of talking that uh, comes off as pretty believable and engaging, and uh, yeah, it just sounds realistic. And I I also think that in terms of the way he, that he develops his plots, the way that he develops uh, the character arcs for the for all of the the characters that are involved in his story like mm-hmm. that's not an easy task to be able to have this huge cast of characters that's constantly uh constantly changing and to be yeah. able to uh develop their stories you yeah. know planning it out over the course of 54 issues you know who gets to live up to one point what point and what purpose they're uh death or their exit is going to serve right like yeah just planning that out you know from way way back like it's it's an immense undertaking and um you know to do that so seamlessly uh that is not an easy task you know there are right. more there are a bunch of examples uh that I can think of where you know it just comes off as clumsy when when someone tells a story and you know uh they they try to write convincing or compelling story arcs for people and it doesn't always it doesn't always hit, you know? And mm-hmm. in, in fact it could fall flat. So um yeah, Brian K. Vaughn does an amazing job of uh writing very uh compelling story arcs for these characters and uh yeah, that mm-hmm. I, I, I think that's probably the strongest aspect of his work, is is uh, is just the lives that he creates for these characters, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: yeah. Do you think that's the, when you said that's the strongest aspect of his work, do you mean specifically in regards to Saga or his work in general? I like meant... Is that in, a, his key strength as a
0: writer? Oh, uh, when I said it, I meant that in regards to Saga. Uh, okay. I would have to think on it to see if. Well, now that I am thinking about it, uh, at least in a just a a, a casual way, now uh, when I mm-hmm. when I'm considering it, mm-hmm. I would say that that's a pretty strong thread that runs through his work. You know, yeah, um, like like his Runaways is definitely. Uh, a strong character-driven story, for sure. You know, mm-hmm. like uh, the the family that he develops with those characters is. Yeah. That's that's a big part of what makes that story work. You know.
2: Hmm.
0: Um, yeah. So and and like thinking about something like Ex Machina too. Uh, you know the the plot is or or the general premise of the series is simple enough to get behind but so much of that series is conversations and talking heads you know i mean i'm not Mm -hmm. saying it's all conversations and talking heads but to be able to write uh, a series where so much of it is characters having these long conversations with each other and you know keeping that engaging enough so that you follow it over the course of you know um tens of issues right yeah, that says something about yeah. his about what his strengths are, you know? Mhm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The other thing I wanted to
1: ask you about and and maybe this is something that I noticed because I know you fairly well, but mm-hmm. my original question was do you dig it? Do you dig Saga? And you, you you replied with I appreciate it. So does that mean that you appreciate it on an intellectual level more than you like it emotionally? Oh, uh,
0: I think so. Like I don't. I. I think. I. I'm hesitant to say something along the lines of, "I love it," you know, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. because I. I'm. I'm. I. am i am i am not the kind of person that wants to just use that for anything.
1: Yeah, but, yeah, exactly. But I mean, it's certainly
0: not something that I hate, you know, and it's yeah. certainly not something that I think is bad. Like I, I definitely understand that it's good and what's good about it. But there are just things about it that that just I, I think that just don't resonate with me, and that that's no fault of necessarily anything deep that he did you know like it it might be just something as simple as if i could okay if i could come up with an example Mm -hmm. um but Mm -hmm. just think about it this way if if this had been a story about vampires (laughs) i would i would be into it like because of the character work and uh the story that he tells but vampires as uh a, a as a, a product of the the story as over overall that's uh that's a hard thing to get past you know like right. i'll i'll still read it and i will uh consume it for the things that I do enjoy about it but at the end of the day there are just some things where i'm just like uh do I You're wish not he... into
1: vampires
0: yeah, do I wish he had done something different? Yeah, I do. But overall, I'm still glad that he made this masterpiece, you know? Yeah, yeah.
1: Well, I guess we can be thankful this isn't the Twilight Saga or whatever. Yeah,
0: yeah. Oh, for sure. Like, if his next thing was, <laughs> like, I'm, I'm thinking of telling this story, and it's going to be the greatest thing that I've ever worked on, but it's about vampires –
1: no, see, there's this, there's this clan of vampires that's been at war with these werewolves, right? And then this one werewolf falls in love with a vampire, and they have a baby.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. There'd be a part of me that'd be like, BKV, I love your work. Uh, I respect the man, but you are just making this so hard for me. <laughs> uh, what were your general thoughts on it, Drew?
1: My general thoughts are that I really liked this comic. It's definitely something that I will continue to eagerly await. This is it's, it's a series that I started reading when it came out in trades. Like I had heard the hype when the issues were being serialized, but at that time, I mean, yeah, by the time it came out, I was... I was already uh, kind of off the idea of, of buying new comics off the rack. Mm-hmm. Like I wasn't, I just stopped collecting them. That's yeah. I stopped collecting them that way. So I was just going to wait for the trade or the hardcover. And I ended up yeah. just buying the hardcovers as, as they were coming out. Totally uh, worth after it. I read the trades from the library when, when, when they came out. So um, I think as, They were coming out, like those first few especially, those first few trades, I was, I enjoyed it, uh, but I guess it's kind of like what you were saying, right? Like it was, you don't easily, it's not something easy to say, oh, I love this, right? Or this is my favorite comic ever or anything like that. So I I don't think I was at that point at the time. I don't even know if I'm at that point right now because I just find it, it's hard to... To say that oh I absolutely uh, love this and it's one of my all-time favorites when the story isn't even over you know mm-hmm. I mean don't get me wrong I got all the confidence in the world in creative team to pull it off but I, I just I just want to, I want it to have an ending you know like if yeah if for some reason w- something happens and and they end up not finishing this work it's it's gonna be
0: pretty sad <laughs> like Drew huh what if it ends and we find out it was Agatha all along.
1: <laughs> Dang, that would be an unexpected twist, man. I I don't think I would like that.
0: I would have to pick my jaw up from the ground, from the flow. We would
1: have to we would have to Bring back to life all the kids that we slaughtered <laughs> along the
0: way, and you know, I would have to apologize to their parents and exactly. Be like, I'm we would have sorry. to apologize to their parents, it wasn't worth it. it the life it. of your child was not worth this. <laughs>
1: <laughs> uh, and I, I think, just in general, um, you know, I, I kind of hate comparing works, but. I guess for me, like, if I'm just thinking about Brian K. Vaughn's comics, I'm probably still, the ones that shoot to the forefront of my mind are still probably Why the Last Man, Runaways, Ex Machina. Um, I do have Paper Girls, I just haven't gotten around to reading my hardcovers yet. I think after, once I get a chance, uh, maybe in the next couple weeks, I'm going to dive into Paper Girls, because I know that story has been completed but but his his other long form works they've all hit me pretty hard and i remember like for all of those i was reading them as they were coming out and it wasn't until they ended when i felt the full impact of everything that i had read you know Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. i have a feeling that it's probably going to be the same way for me when it comes to saga where by the time this ends probably going to i'm I'm pretty sure when it ends, i'm gonna love this series as a whole, you know yeah. And, yeah and and I think it's just hard for me to fully judge a comic that hasn't it's you know it's still in progress, you know, granted it's yeah. on hiatus but but we know that there's more half the story is is yet to come, yeah. you know, and that that's a significant chunk of story, yeah, and there's um, always
0: going to be yeah. this like one part this lingering part in the back of your brain that wants to be able to, you want to be able to in your heart to give it the full amount of love and, you know, accolades that, you know, it deserves, but there's always going to be a part in your brain that's going to be like, but it's not done, right? It's incomplete. And until I, I experience it in all its glory, how could I Mm -hmm. in good conscience, uh praise it to the full extent that i want to praise it right yeah yeah exactly exactly
1: i will say though that if you take these 54 issues and stack them up against 54 issues of anything else this is probably you
0: know better
1: than most other 54 consecutive issues of anything out there
0: yeah yeah it's it's consistently good i will yeah Yeah, I'll I, would, I would
1: even say it's consistently great, actually. Even from a, a technical standpoint, just like what you were saying about BKV's dialogue and, and his writing, the way that he, he builds up his characters and, and develops them, mm-hmm. and Fiona Staples' artwork, it's she just has a distinct look. And I, I think in these past few years, We've seen her influence on a lot of other artists who are doing stuff for the likes of Image and and Boom, maybe even some Marvel and DC stuff here and there. But her her design work is just so elegant. The way that she draws stuff, it's almost like looking at cell animation, you know? Like just Mm -hmm. looking at cells where there's a lot of attention given... Uh, to the backgrounds as well as to the figures, but from I think from like a rendering perspective, the stuff isn't really drawn with a crazy amount of detail, but it's drawn and colored with just enough detail so that your mind fills in any blanks and your imagination can just run rampant as you're looking at the pictures, you know, and it mm. it it makes it feel way more alive than some jobber artist would you know yeah 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 that's what i yeah that's what i really like about her art it's it's just good to look
0: at man it's good to look at yeah i i couldn't have said it better like it that's it's you've you've definitely articulated it in a way with that captures all of the intricacies of it uh like the best that I could add is, it's just, it's pretty. Yeah, it's, it is pretty, man. <laughs> it's pretty, it's and it's got really pretty, 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 pretty colors. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's that's the extent of my contribution to your <laughs> to your her, uh, breakdown of her art style. Uh, I like it. <laughs> friend. <laughs> you friend. Friend. <laughs> Here's the other
1: thing about a lot of stories that I've uh, that I found from uh, from BKV's work, or just a common thread or trait from his work. But what he likes to do, I've noticed, and it's no there's no exception here in Saga. But he's really good at writing stories where you care about the characters, and he builds these characters up and gives yeah. them enough development so that you you understand what makes them tick. You understand what's important to them, and uh, you you kind of have like a pretty decent sense of how they're gonna react under certain circumstances. But there's still just enough of that human aspect where you know they're still unpredictable because they're almost like alive. Yeah. And what he does is he he creates these vivid portraits of realistic, emotionally authentic characters makes you care about them, and then he just puts them through hell and starts yeah. slaughtering them. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah. You know, it's like, it's, uh, dang, man. And and this sounds and feels like a cliche, but like, no one really is safe, you know? Mm-hmm. You'll find ways to... Eat. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's... But that, that randomness is what adds that element of realness to it right it adds Mm -hmm. stakes to the story to the point where you can believe that any of these characters uh can be put to put at risk you know yeah yeah he he just puts them through so much that
1: if they survive they come out changed like profoundly changed yeah and when they don't survive, it just rips your heart out. Yeah. And he, he's pretty merciless with that. Like he, he just seems like the kind of writer who, he probably has a lot of fun, you know, like, creating <laughs> these characters, you know, like, making his audience invest emotionally into these different characters, whether it's, you know, why The Last Man, or Ex Machina, or Runaways. Mm-hmm. He puts the characters through all this crazy stuff, um, and then Yeah, stuff happens to them, and you're just, you're helpless. You're just at his mercy, and and he's just, he's just like a puppet master toying with your emotions.
0: Yeah, it's, uh... When someone can effectively do it, I imagine that having the ability to alter someone's emotions... It's quite the rush, you know? It's, it is, it's, man. It's quite a power uh, play, I guess. Or it's, it's, uh, yeah, you know, like, that's not an easy thing to do. It's not moving a cup from one spot to another, you know? It takes, there's an artfulness to it. There's a craft to it to be able to evoke something in another human being with fiction. Yeah, exactly. You know?
1: It it takes a lot of talent to do that. And the fact that he's been able to do it on such a consistent basis yeah, pretty much just points to his talent.
0: Yeah. It tells you that he really knows how people work on the yeah. inside. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly.
1: I was also going to ask you, Albert, but were there any elements or things about the story that you didn't dig?
0: Uh. I mean, I was going to save it for the oh, more the spoifle? Spoifle, okay. Uh, okay. that's fair. aspect of the conversation. So I, I, I didn't want to give away too much sure, to, sure. To, to those that are listening. Um, If you want, I could try to, I, I mean, I guess I could navig- navigate away from bigger plot details and just kind of keep it vague in my description. Okay, okay. Uh, so um yeah we we did mention uh, earlier on that this the uh, the found uh, I guess the foundation of his story is that the two worlds at war include a world where you have uh a planet that uses magic almost casually uh to the point where magic is almost just a normal thing to them, you know? Like, you know, the, they they use magic the same way that we would, uh, you know, pop open uh, a can of soda or something like that, you know? Mm-hmm. It's just that easily accessible. Well, not easily accessible. There are rules to it, but it's certainly more accessible than what we believe magic to be. Mm-hmm. And they're at war with Landfall, which is a planet of just super science, you know, uh just uh technology so advanced that uh they can do so much with it, right? Mm-hmm. And there's something about that idea of um that level of just pedestrian magic going to war with science fiction that I don't know, it it leaves me feeling a little cold to to it you know mm-hmm. um and i think i felt this the first time i read it too well it was just it wasn't something that i it wasn't an idea that i loved it wasn't an idea that i like had ever clamored for uh yeah like i i think when i when i think about like my fantasy stories or my science fiction stories i preferred to just either have like a really like my fan if i'm gonna enjoy my fantasy stories i prefer it to just be big fantasy stories right high fantasy traditional fantasy exactly exactly whereas with my science fiction i just want it to be just straightforward balls to the wall science fiction right like i i don't i think there are some rare occasions where the two mix uh and it's effective but it's not it's not something that I usually like like a lot. Like another example that I that I was thinking of is uh, what was that one Kurt Busiek series? Aerosmith. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, like that. You know, it was a fine comic, but it was it was a it was a story about a fictionalized version of uh World War Two, but was it People World War Two or World War One? Oh, it might have been World War One, but. Instead of people using, I mean, people were still using guns and tanks and stuff, but people had magic too, you know. Yeah, and they were like these uh, elite group of soldiers or something. Exactly, and there was just something about it that just, I, I don't know, it just didn't jump out at me, you know.
1: Mm-hmm. You don't, you don't prefer the two different uh, concepts to intermingle.
0: Yeah, yeah. It's I, kind
1: of like oil and water or something.
0: I guess so. I guess so. Um, you asked me uh, before we started the episode, like, what about something like Final Fantasy? Mm-hmm. And I think the reason that that works for me is because the magic elements that do exist are are of such an unknown, mysterious quantity that when the science fiction encounters it, it's it's almost a it's it's an it's an anomaly to them, right? And it's the idea that by tapping into these forces that are just so foreign to them that they are gonna unleash uh just something epic and dangerous and that's I'm okay with that because it's there's that i guess dissonance of just how unknown magic is right mm-hmm. but but like in Saga or something like aerosmith um Magic is just so. I guess it's powered down because it just, it, like I said, it's ju- it just feels so pedestrian, right? Because mm-hmm. apparently all of them use it, and it it just makes it seem less fantastic. I guess. I see. I see. You know. Uh. So that was that was something that didn't. It was something that didn't necessarily ingratiate me towards the story initially. but um, So just to clarify, I I actually did read a couple of volumes of Saga uh, a few years ago, but I never finished it because I think, in my mind, I knew you were going to get all of them eventually, so I was just like, well... I'll, I'll down, just, read just read Drews. I'll just read Drews, right? <laughs> so I just kind of put it on the back burner because I had so much other stuff to read. But even then, I I kind of had the same impressions. Mm-hmm. And reading it again now, and reading it, everything that has already come out for it in uh up to this point, I will say that what helped me to appreciate it more, to appreciate it more, was was my ability to read Brian K. Vaughn's voice and to almost shut those elements off in my brain as I was reading it. So mm-hmm. as I was reading it, I was reading it more as just a war story between two warring nations as opposed to, yeah. uh, you know, a magic nation and a science nation, you know? Yeah. So I was just kind of downplaying those elements in my mind and it was just more of a story of just what if you had two countries that were at war and these two uh you know uh, they had, different they, they races were fighting with two diametrically opposed forces. Yeah. Uh and you just had these two different races who were running off uh to try to start a life with each other and and just viewing it through that filter made it that much easier for me to yeah. to digest it, you know? Yeah.
1: Yeah. Well, at least it wasn't magic vampires versus science fiction werewolves.
0: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh. Oh man. Oh man. <laughs> Whew. Somewhere out there a star is born. <laughs> Some <laughs> Somewhere out there someone is getting ready to make this happen. Uh,
1: Are there any other uh spoiler-free topics that you want to hit before we go into spoiler mode? Uh
0: no, I th- I think we're we can we can go right into the spoilers. Uh Yeah. Yeah. Um I'm I'm game. All right. Game of Thrones? <laughs> game of thrones does this uh, game of
1: thrones meet star wars albert
0: (laughs) (laughs) in the most superficial way possible sure (laughs) (laughs) it's about a war that happens in space and uh people betray each other so if that's what it takes to be star wars meets game of thrones sure (laughs) (laughs) If you have warring governments that are doing underhanded things uh to 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 uh what's it called manipulate each other and uh politicize things to 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 take over their governments if that's all it takes then this is exactly that okay there you go everybody
1: Star Wars meets Game of Thrones read saga
0: and that's the end of the episode. <laughs>
1: <laughs> okay, going into spoilful territory now. What were the things that uh you were going to say that you hesitated to say earlier?
0: Uh Huh? Actually, I think I I I pretty much just said what I had intended to say. So, okay. I, okay. yeah, uh so yeah, no surprises there. Um was there something that you were going to say uh in regards to the world
1: building? I, f- I forget.
0: Uh it was pretty much just that like just I I do think that he fills he definitely fills his world with a lot of characters and there's definitely variety um but yeah i guess i'm conflicted because on the one hand uh his world building there there are points in it where some of the uh, some of the magic or the rules behind the magic uh, I don't even know if it's magic at, in some points, but the you know I I understand what he's doing in order to like keep the story going. Like there are things mm-hmm. that he does, um, but I'm I I think he's still talented enough and his characters are still engaging enough where they don't necessarily bother me too much. Yeah. So uh, a lot of the story is about the family getting together and then forces 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 that make them have to separate you know and only to try to find each other again so so there are entire chunks of the story where the family are broken up and all they're trying to do is get back to each other you know Mm -hmm. um and one example that i can think of is uh there's this one point in one of the story in the story where uh, Alana and uh, Marcos' mother both get kidnapped and you know they they end up on this ship just going they could go anywhere in space and um the solution to finding them is they go to this little seal seal person character named Goose, and they say, Oh, uh, before we left, you ended up having one of these um this creature called Frendo uh on on our ship. It's and like a gigantic walrus. It's a gigantic walrus that was initially meant for food, but they uh kept it as a pet. But apparently this seal, his species has like some sort of mental connection uh with with uh their livestock their livestock would you call it yeah yeah exactly and so they end up taking this character on and they go into space and you know that that's just kind of one of those things where it was like oh that's a little convenient (laughs) you know
2: Mm -hmm.
0: but again like i like brian k vaughn's dialogue and his characters enough where i can ignore these these kind of things you know? Mm -hmm. And, uh, yeah, so I don't think it's like a huge downside or anything, but it's definitely stuff like that that I occasionally notice, you know?
1: I see, I see. Yeah. Just things Um, that happen a little conveniently.
0: Yeah, yeah. But I will say Gus Goose is, might be one of my favorite characters just because he's a cute little seal dude.
1: Yeah, I think he (laughs) might... One of my favorite characters too. <laughs> I love his design. He just he yeah. just looks so cool and yeah, uh, like as a his personality is endearing too.
0: It really like, is. Like even he's, when he's, he's probably like the one tough.
1: person who's not a jerk.
0: Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. And I guess yeah, he's even noble and heroic at times. You know, in spite of his adorable. Uh, design his look. His small stature. His small stature. Like, he's got the heart of a hero. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. It's funny how he he looks kind of like a a big baby seal, but yeah. he he's obviously more mature than. In some ways, he's more mature than like almost anybody else in there in, in yeah. the cast. Yeah, like, just his perspective on on life and his his wisdom and his demeanor it's like this is a, a person that is just a likable character you know <laughs> he's yeah. just a likable dude so yeah. if Brian K. Vaughan kills him it's gonna feel real
0: bad yeah that's almost <laughs> that's almost immediately a sign that yeah. it's gonna happen right? it's gonna happen man. <laughs> I'm constantly like as I was reading the 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 series like after I had like after I had become accustomed to this character and, like, I... I, In my mind, I, I was at a place where I was enjoying seeing him around. In the back of my mind, every time uh, something happened, there was a part of me that was like, oh, man, this is the moment that he gets it, <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I know. So, Same here, man. Yeah.
1: <laughs> and he he's had, like, so many close calls, too. <laughs> like, yeah. Times when his life was in peril, but somehow some way he was able to survive <laughs> yeah
0: <laughs> and yeah exactly and like he's he's clearly like not built like a fighter you know he's not a apex predator he's he's just a chubby little seal thing yeah so, he looks like he's about i don't know two feet tall or something <laughs> yeah yeah like and he carries like animal? a giant axe with him <laughs> yeah you know what so, i did read though i read
1: that uh fiona staples had a big hand in 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 goose being such a big part of the story because because i don't think that he was BKB kind of a throwaway really, character initially yeah huh? he started off as kind of a throwaway character but bkb yeah. ended up liking his design and yeah uh they had yeah, to find a way to come
0: back to the planet and introduce him
1: <laughs> yeah exactly
0: exactly yeah. And that, well, it was a good choice.
1: Yeah, totally. Yeah. And I also think that speaks to how, as the series uh, continued and progressed over the course of a number of issues, Fiona Staples became more than just the artist. You know, like she she was she's like the actual collaborator with him. You know, and yeah, and uh, in the in the extras in the hardcover, BKV talks about how she's able to to have that influence where she, like they don't, he doesn't just like write something and expect her to, you know, slave away at the, at drawing his vision, you know, like they, they actually work together and and craft the story.
0: Yeah. 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 Well, do you want to go? So, you know, having 54 issues available, Mm -hmm. uh, that's a lot of story, man. And, you know, we we just kind of we just very lightly went over what the first arc was, which was the story of this family on the run. But there we mentioned earlier, there was like there have been so many arcs uh, in the 54 issues that have occurred and so much has happened to them. Um, Like, I I don't want to just like try to cram it all into this episode because it would just be too much to explain you know but yeah uh, you know and, we did discuss plus
1: we're in we're in spoilful territory now so i imagine people who are still listening either just really like to hear our voices or they've already read the comic or maybe both
0: yeah yeah i i'd like to imagine that we are seraphs to them seraphs singing on high from a mountaintop serenading them with our honeyed tones
1: I would love to hear you sing uh hymn in your nineteen twenties Chicago gangster voice.
0: <laughs> that uh, <laughs> ooh, that uh that is gonna have to be for another day. But <laughs> that is that is a tall order to ask. <laughs> but yeah, like we've we've seen them, uh, you know, on the run. We've seen them achieve some sense of normalcy, only to have their family broken up again, mm-hmm. and go on this epic journey to find each other. Yeah, and you know, it, it's 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 constantly rising and uh, cresting. You know, I, I think that's the term mm-hmm. where it goes up and down where. You know, you stab where Brian K. Vaughan and Fiona Staples established some sense of normalcy only to shake things up again until mm-hmm. they establish the new normal, you know? Mm-hmm. So were there any story arcs that you you personally found uh, like enjoyment in anything that jumped out at you, anything that uh, any of the story arcs? specific story arcs that uh you enjoyed more than the others drew so here's the thing when when i was reading through
1: the hardcovers uh like every issue is just labeled you know there's a chapter break for for each issue where you see the the cover of the issue and you know it tells you what chapter you're on Mm. but but uh because it wasn't the trade paperback I, i wasn't really keeping track of oh okay I'm on issue seven so I'm starting a new arc or I'm on issue uh, 13 so this is the, the third arc or I wasn't thinking mm. of it in terms of arcs I was just I think the my mentality as I read through the books was I'm just reading the next chapter in this ongoing saga <laughs>
0: <laughs> in this ongoing series the saga of saga
1: yeah exactly <laughs> the saga of saga <laughs> I'm just reading the next chapter so I, I don't I don't think I really delineated in my mind the different specific story arcs. Mm. One of the things that did kind of hit me, though, was kind of the rhythm of the storytelling, though. And and that's another thing that I found pretty fascinating about the work as a whole, because I noticed that most every issue starts with, splash page and ends with the splash page i mean there might maybe there were some exceptions here and there but it definitely felt like the majority of the issues began and ended that way and i was kind of like looking at how they structured the storytelling around those moments where it's like you end on kind of like each issue would end on this splash page where there's some kind of uh either plot development or an emotional cliffhanger yeah and then most of the time when you start the next issue or the next chapter it wouldn't really continue directly from that moment from the previous one mm-hmm. there would be like something different uh, a different scene and like each issue was kind of like maybe f- four or five different scenes you know like you'd follow different set of characters a certain number of pages each issue and you get to see everything progress incrementally Mm. but it's not so incremental that you feel like nothing happens like there's always enough happening in every scene where you feel satisfied reading each chapter in and of itself but because you're because i was able to to read you know everything all the way through from issue 1 to 54, it, it felt like a really satisfying chunk. Mm. Mm. But I think because I didn't look at it in terms of arcs, the things that s- did stand out to me would, would probably be like, I guess, different moments of things that were happening. Um, mm. and, and I was just looking at different moments in the story that stood out in terms of uh, plot developments, but also I was trying to think about thematically um what was what was hitting me and what was resonating with me so i think the main the obvious main theme of the story is that it's about family you know marco alana and and hazel and their extended family which comprises quite a few different characters throughout the course of the issues i mean there's Mm -hmm you get isabel the ghost and you get marco's parents um at least his mom for a longer while than his father who ends up dying pretty early on Mm -hmm. uh and then you know later on in the story you get goose you get uh prince four yeah prince robot oh prince Rob. (laughs) yeah it, and that's another fascinating character because he he starts off as an antagonist and e- even when he joins the family, he's he's still a jerk to them, you know, like yeah, yeah, it's, it's it's a very strange relationship that he has with them and like despite myself recognizing that he was a jerk, he I did grow some kind of attachment to him, like, yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: It's another testament to Brian K. Vaughn's ability to create this character that you initially root against and I guess you, you even kind of hate because, you know, mm-hmm. he's chasing your, your, uh, protagonist. Um, but then for him to slowly shift your perception of him to the point where you see him as a part of their crew, you know, yeah, as part of their family, even. Yeah. And yeah, well, it, it's very
1: unexpected. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and then he he has his son, and then there's uh Petricor, I think that, or Petricor. Yeah, that's I, her name? Yeah, I don't remember how to pronounce it. Um. So yeah, yeah, there's just a bunch of, of of characters in in that family, and yeah, as they move in and out of each other's lives, I think. There, there's just something about seeing it happen on the page as you experience a story that gives you a reason or or leads you to ponder what makes a family and and uh how important is family you know things of things along those lines which I think adds to the the depth of the story it's it's you know it's always something good to appreciate when you read a story that that makes you think about something even the villains or the antagonists in the story like the will <laughs> yeah and and Gwendolyn, even though they're not technically part of the family uh they're more uh of the pursuers who are chasing them like they they get a lot of uh page time also they do the, de- the development they get uh dude i I mean, Lion Cat is like the the breakout character when Saga first launched, right? Like, everybody loved that cat, and that, that cat is a great
0: character. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, he's he's essentially a Pokemon. He just says one word, but like is that Lion one cat word. Lion Cat a girl? Mean... I thought Lion Cat was a girl. Oh, okay, my bad. So she's essentially a Pokemon, where like. All she says is one word, but that one word can mean so many different things yeah. based on just context alone.
1: Yeah, it it's so good every time you see a scene where the other characters are talking and then it just cuts to lying cat and she says lying. <laughs> so good. I don't know how they came up with that character, but that, that is clever. That's a clever idea for the talking cat. <laughs> Right. Another core theme that stood out in the story is that it's a story about creation. I was reading some of the the extras in the hardcovers and Brian K. Vaughn said that saga is a story about creation and why people create new things in a world that doesn't always want something new. Yeah. And I th- I thought that was very germane to everything in this series man because yeah. when you read it 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 really is about all those things it it works on multiple levels because yeah. it's a story about creation and creating new things and it works when you look at it from the point of view of creating a baby having a yeah. you know having a child and and having a family raising this baby and you know basically giving birth to something in, into the world and uh you know, she's essentially, Hazel's essentially this hybrid, something new to their to their world, and her parents are you know raising her and nurturing her, yeah, helping her, helping her live and and grow up to be who she becomes. But it, it the the theme also works when you consider it uh, in light of creating a work of art, or in, in you know in this case, uh, creating a comic or a story. Or whatever the case may be, you know, it's not necessarily uh, a metafictional reference to itself, but it does work uh, when you think of it in terms of how uh, just the act of creating any kind of art, whether it's a story or a comic book or uh, a novel or a poem or a song or whatever, you know, the there's always people that that don't want something new. Like they just yeah. want the same old crap over and over again. So it it, it works as a metaphor like that, you know, like you, you you can kind of imagine like all those people that are that are chasing uh Marco Alan and Hazel. Those are the people
0: that like Nickelback. <laughs> <laughs> you know. That's uh, an <laughs> interesting way of, to put
1: it. You know what I'm saying though? It's like the people that that always want the same kind of like manufactured generic crap, you know? It's it it's, it reminds me of a uh, comic book fanboys, you know? They they're always looking for the next uh Venom comic or they want some yeah. Carnage, you know?
0: They want a story that gives the illusion of change and difference, mm-hmm. but Really, what they want is just something with they all of the, the same, same old trappings. Crap, they yeah. want the same old crap.
1: Yeah. Look, if, if you if you make Captain America a black man, or if you make Thor a woman, they don't We've want seen that. See what
0: happens. Yeah,
1: that that's We've a seen change. what happens. That's something. And new. it's not
0: even like I would even say that as far as changes go, it's pretty superficial, right? Mm-hmm. Like in terms of what's at the core of uh of the kinds of stories that they're telling they're they're not doing anything they're not taking any real risks right right uh, like real change would be would be doing something just so drastic to the character just to the storytelling that at the end they'd be almost unrecognizable from yeah, the character you can't that go you know. back. Yeah, that's change. Mm-hmm. I mean, but you know, again, like we've seen what happens when uh we make when when uh, you know, either of the big two make supposed changes to a character, like people lose their crap. <laughs> yeah. Big yeah. babies. Yeah. It's like, interesting. Yeah. Yeah, yeah it's, inter- it's interesting that um You mentioned, like, how much of this story or, like, what motivates a lot of this story from uh, Brian K. Vaughn's perspective is the idea of creation. Mm -hmm. Because I feel like so much of the story revolves, like, okay, this is a pretty complex thought. So it might, I might go to a bunch of random places and it might even lose, like, some coherent coherence by the time I'm done with it, but I'll try to make it make sense nonetheless. Give me
1: the, give me the ravings of a madman. I'm ready for it. <laughs> we are all ready for it.
0: 9-11 was an inside job! Whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> Hang on there, Albert. <laughs> the earth is flat! <laughs> <laughs> no, but... When we talk about creation, I I feel like for the purposes of this story you you can't discuss creation without discussing destruction, right? Mhm. And it just feels like so much so much of the series is about these this family unit trying to create something new, but Creation doesn't happen in a vacuum, right? So it's. It feels like, from the single ripple effect of like these two people falling in love, the ripple effect is just how much destruction happens to try to end this one single act of creation, you know? Mm -hmm. And we see it time and time again. And oddly enough, it's it's kind of feeds into the the cyclic cyclical, uh, symbiotic nature of creation and destruction because in this weird way, like when we look at the story of the will, for example, yeah. like so much of his story revolves around. Okay, towards the beginning, it 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 revolves around him trying to do like some good, but ultimately. He falls down this cycle where, because someone gets killed, someone that he loves, he he constantly pursues that revenge and all the things that spiral out from it just lead to worse, worsening uh, circumstances of more destruction and death. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. like to the point where um you know he ends up losing his sister and to the point where this guy who ultimately who who started out as generally a good dude i mean like his first act was to try to save a young girl who was being held as a, a sex slave sex slave at, on at, on a brothel but by the end of it he's still hunting down this family like he he's lost the the woman that he loves and he ends up in a coma for a couple years and you know coming out of that coma he's he's lost his chance for love again and all because he continues to pursue like um revenge basically yeah just and, full of hate. Yeah, and by the end of it, he ends up killing. Uh, you know, um, well, we're in spoiler ter- territory, but he ends up killing Prince Robot and becoming, like, uh, cementing himself as the enemy of this family. not Not only does he end up killing Prince Robot, he ends up at 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 least as far as we know, he ends up killing Marco. you Yeah. Know? Yeah, and yeah, it just it's interesting for me to look at that as kind of a now that I'm thinking about it as almost an inverse of their story of just how mm-hmm. how they wanted to take an act of creation and to use it as the foundation for like so one of the one of the themes for their the ongoing uh, recurring. Uh, plot elements in the story is that the two that marco and alana fall in love because of this novel written by uh written by oswald d heist
1: Heist or something
0: yeah oswald d heist and i think the way that most people view his work is it seems almost like schlocky romance but yeah. <laughs> the way that she that Alana interprets it is it's really a narrative about uh peace and uh pacifism and uh you know renouncing war. Right? Yeah. And some kind of how, unity. Yeah, exactly. And that's how she and uh Marco eventually end up connecting with each other through this work. Mm-hmm. But Oh man, now I've lost that thread where I was going with it. But you uh, started
1: somewhere uh, about how the Will's journey was kind of an inverse of the family's journey.
0: Yeah, like once they get to to Heist and they start talking to him, um, you know he he's constantly talking about like I feel like there are several moments where he's talking about how like. What the opposite of war is, and you know how uh well, he says the opposite of war is sex, but you know you could there's a way <laughs> to interpret that where the opposite of war is an act of creation, right? like you could mm-hmm. look at sex as an as a form of creation, yeah. and it's interesting to see how the will just in this weird way. Even though he's on a path of destruction, what what his destruction ultimately does is it creates and begets more destruction. You know? Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And he's he's not only destroying his own life; he's destroying the family's life too. Yeah. Like I think once you once you said that his journey in the story is an inverse of. Marco and Alana's journey I think that really made something click in my mind because yeah. I hadn't actually thought of that but now that you mentioned it I can only see it now because yeah. if you think about it it's like he the will like his his lover the stock dies pretty early on and then he gets another chance at having his own kind of family when when uh, he's with Gwendolyn and Sophie and yeah. Lion Cat. you know like the four of them are kind of a unit you know even though yeah. Even though, uh, you know, it starts off pretty tense between him and Gwendolyn. Like, there is this sense that after a certain point, there's potential for something there, you know? Yeah. But because he's so consumed with his revenge. His mission, yeah. His mission, it, it just doesn't happen. Yeah. When he gets into the, that coma, taking him out of action. and Gwendolyn this, moves on. Yeah, she moves on. Um, and then his sister is just trying to help him and ends up getting killed to to get the thing that they to need save for him. the spell yeah. yeah and and then sophie and lion cat bond so lion cat's not going to rejoin him or anything and it it's like he he
0: just loses he just ends everything. up more and more alone yeah as he continues to pursue his revenge down this rabbit hole mm-hmm. and There are even times, I want to say that there's a scene where he's talking to his imagined version of the stock, the woman that he loves. Mm -hmm. And she, I want to say that there's a point where she even tells him that, you know, you don't really love me. Like, you know, you think you do, but it's, it's almost as if to highlight that. Whatever like notions of nobility or uh romanticized love that you were following, like those are like long gone. Like we're at this point where you're just doing this out of obsession, you know?
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly. He's he's just uh so caught up in the same old crap, he doesn't want something new, you know. If he had given up on his revenge early on, he could have had a new life for himself. Yeah. Instead he just wants to read more Venom comics and and listen to Nickelback.
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> you know, he just yeah. wants the same old crap. That's yeah. That's exactly what a fanboy would do.
0: Yeah. And instead of, you know, embracing the new, Im- instead of embracing the the thrill of the possibility of something different, like he's just simmering in his Madness and his anger, yeah, because he's chasing the one thing that just isn't there anymore, you know. Yeah, yeah, and I think
1: it's gonna be really interesting to see what they end up doing with his character in in the next few issues, you know, because he's he's achieved he's, like he's basically, goal. yeah.
0: Well, I was gonna say hearing you talk about it like made something click even more in my brain which is and i mentioned at the end of the 54 issues that we read like he's seemingly killed marco Mm -hmm. and that's kind of that was him crossing that final line you know where from there was like no a point of no return and that was it and he essentially so if we like if we're going to look into this as uh an analogy for people who are incapable of change for people who you know like their venom comics and people who
1: hate new things
0: yeah what there's a there's an interpretation where you look at that and what you see is because of his inability to change he ends up destroying mm-hmm. like one of the integral elements of this beautiful new thing right yeah
1: yeah like, and that, that's, that's exactly right that's exactly right <laughs> yeah because when when fanboys pour all their money into the same old crap comics that were aren't yeah big too you know typical crap they the end chance up dying. For something new and
0: beautiful yeah like how, a how new many experience. other
1: potential sagas have we lost because people would have rather just bought the next issue of uncanny x-men to continue their run you know yeah or batman yeah. or superman or spider-man or whatever the case may be just the same old regurgitated formulaic superhero stuff mm. that you know they that money that they spent on that if they had just tried a different book if they had tried some other comic
0: that if they were willing to let go of the else. chip on their shoulder mm-hmm. and just tell themselves i'm just going to ex- i'm going to imbibe in a completely new experience without any judgments or preconceived notions and i'm just going to see where this takes me like yeah. who knows how much better off they could have been right exactly <laughs>
1: exactly and y- you At- just know that fanboys even when they don't like the series that they're reading they still buy it out of habit. Yeah, they still buy it because they don't want to have an unbroken run. Yeah, and and that's the worst. Like if, if you're if they're enjoying something, okay, fine. You know, I uh, I can understand why they keep on buying it if they actually enjoy
0: it. But go ahead and eat your paste with thumbtacks. Exactly.
1: exactly. By all means. <laughs> but if you if you recognize if if, if that fanboy recognizes. That he does not enjoy paste and thumbtacks as his meal, but still keeps on buying it.
0: There's something even more despicable about that. Yeah, which is, and man, now like I feel like you've opened something up because, and again, this might be me like looking into it more than it is, but when when the will begins, he's he's a dude. He's just a a. a, a a maskless dude with a cape, right? Mm-hmm. But by the time we get to it, he's yeah. he's got a he's got a cowl. He's he looks like a superhero. <laughs>
1: I, I think what what it is is that the cape that he he uh had from the beginning, it, it always did have that hood, but he just never wore it until towards the end. Yeah. But yeah, that that's there's something in that imagery, man. <laughs> yeah, man. Dude, now now I feel like somebody's gotta ask DKV and Fiona Staples. If that was some kind of commentary on superhero fans, because I could totally see that now.
0: Yeah, it's weird. Like having this conversation with you and <laughs> like unpacking all of this. Like, I've, I there's a part of me that wants to go. Nah, that's that's that might be looking into this a little deeper than than it really is. But at the same time, it's like, wow. Given the metaphor the works, we know. it's
1: there. I mean, yeah, dude. Think and and this other detail, man. By the by, the end of it, the will his body type is just like comic book guy from The Simpsons. Oh wow! <laughs>
2: <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah. Whew. Like he starts off as a pretty fit person. Like yeah. he's a guy who's athletic and can fight, and I mean, he can still fight, but
0: you he's, can tell that he's he hasn't schlubby. really been
1: taking care of himself.
0: That's wild. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I, huh. I really want someone to ask ask uh BKV and Staples if that was something that they had in the back of their mind cuz like if if so that's
0: that's absolutely genius, man. I mean, here's the interesting like bit of uh meta text, I guess, but I'm pretty sure Saga is the kind of comic that fanboys and gators, you know, comics gators, uh, are pretty derisive towards. Yeah. 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 Uh, like, I, I I, can't speak for uh, a lot of them, but I have, you know, and this is purely anecdotal, but I, I have seen, uh, you know, the occasional comment where on the occasion that someone of their ilk has something to say about it, it's usually pretty dismissive. It's it's usually something along the lines of, uh, I, re- I remember this one quote where the guy was essentially saying that Saga is something that I hear people saying that it sells a lot, but I don't know anyone that reads it. <laughs> as if to confirm in his mind that you know, the only people that are buying this are, like, elitists or... SJWs. You know, yeah, or something like that, exactly. And it's just... Yeah, it'd be interesting to me if this was Brian K. Vaughn stepping outside of that to make uh, some sort of statement Yeah, on, on that community, you know? Yeah.
1: I don't Ooh. know if Comicsgate was a thing... When he's, st- I don't think comic skate was a thing. I don't think it was either. Or when s when they started the comic, but you know things. But fanboys have always developed- been a thing. Yeah, fanboys <laughs> have always been a thing. That's for sure. Fanboys have definitely always been a thing. Yeah, and yeah, I guess I'd probably have to say that the a lot of comic skaters probably are those kind of fanboys that we deride. Yeah, the worst kind. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, based on all the YouTube videos that we've hate-watched by (laughs) Gators and, you know, all the Twitter threads that we've uh, looked through, I'm pretty sure that Gators would would hate this comic. Yeah, yeah. Like, there's a lot of other social commentary within Saga that... that, Kind of just jumps out at you, I mean, there's a lot of yeah, there's a lot of commentary about, <laughs> about war, there's a lot of stuff about diversity, there's a lot there's of stuff about of sexuality, stuff
0: about
1: yeah, yeah, so like yeah. i' I'm, I'm pretty sure all those things, man, um, I'm pretty there, sure there was it one goes line. out
0: of its way to to engage in those topics,
1: yeah, what were you we gonna say? There was this one line about diversity that that uh, I remember seeing in i i can't remember what issue but it was when it was during that story when uh when what's marco's mom's name clara oh uh, yeah when when marco's mom and hazel were on that prison world and the prisoners were were reading uh books do you remember that yeah,
0: they were just sitting around and, like, they were laughing with each other, right? And yeah. Just kind and, of mm-hmm. sharing in their community with one another. Yeah.
1: and one of the books that they were reading, uh, one of the characters mentioned how, I can't, well, I might be misremembering it, and I'd, I'd have to, like, pull up the issue to give you an exact quote, but I think there was a line, it might have been... Part of it was Hazel's narration, I think, and she said something about how uh, diversity is a great thing. And then uh, in the panel, you, you have the prisoner reading the book, and it's saying something, she's reading something about diversity, and she says, uh, without diversity, we would all be a bunch of inbred pieces of, you know, you know, flame in what? And it's like, it's true, you know, if without diversity, we would be all – inbred yeah biologically speaking yeah
0: yeah (laughs) Yeah. exactly (laughs) yeah and it's not even that's not even a a, a, it's not even a uh what's called an opinion that's just fact scientific fact (laughs) (laughs) that's funny (laughs)
1: yeah and i want to say that part was in one of the later issues so i don't know maybe maybe i don't know if if any of that is like a response or or uh, a commentary on any of the vocal detractors of the book. But if if it is, I, I could definitely see it. Yeah. But for all I know, it's just coincidence. <laughs> <laughs> hmm. Did you like how Marco was coded as Asian? Was he? Yeah, dude, we can claim him.
0: <laughs> you didn't catch well, that? I, I might have missed it altogether. What was the... What was the uh the context? I mean, he well, for one, he just looks Asian. Um, okay, but, that's interesting. <laughs> yeah, he. You don't think he looks Asian? Uh, I I guess I just didn't think about it. I mean, he he looks. I thought
1: he looked Asian, and then towards the end, uh, in his final battle, that scene when he's fighting the will. It looks like he's a samurai. Like, he's wearing samurai kind That's of all- like armor. That's
0: I, true. I did see that armor, and I did think it looked samurai-ish. But them being aliens, I was just like, I guess he's just some sort of alien. <laughs> <laughs>
1: well, I also saw it in one of the extras, uh, Staples said that she did try to intentionally draw him as, as Asian.
0: Oh, okay. So... I, I hadn't... I didn't read the the back matter, so yeah, that's news to me for I, sure.
1: I, so, so that, I'll take that as confirmation. I, I'll <laughs> I'll claim Marco, man. I I claim him, dude. There He's we one go. One for the team. Yeah, man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, Were there any other themes that jumped out at you?
0: Oh, wow. Uh, I think the biggest theme for me was just the, the stuff on family. Uh, well, no, that's not true. We we did mention that there was a lot of, uh, I, I guess the other big one is, I guess diversity is the thing, right? Like, mm-hmm. um, we, we did mention that it's funny how in your face some of the stuff is, where... Yeah. I wonder I wonder if they just leaned into it just because, right? Because... the... the amount of... uh... like, diversity in terms of... uh... sexual diversity that exists amongst the... the cast of characters... Mm-hmm. Like... Yeah, it's it's almost... Like, I'm sure it was intentional to, to make them that way, but I I guess I'm kind of curious to see if it was truly just a matter of inclusion or if it was in response to something. Because um, you have, like... There are two characters who are basically in a gay relationship. You have one character who is a transgender person. hmm You know, and... It's... Yeah, it's a lot of stuff like that, that just... I guess I just wasn't expecting that... I mean, yeah, it, it definitely steps outside of itself um, to introduce, introduce those things, because I, I certainly wasn't expecting to see that as I was reading it, so... Yeah, I guess I'm kind of curious what what what, what uh, their reasoning behind it was to see if it really was just a matter of inclusion or uh, if they had something more to say on it, you know? Yeah,
1: I, I think it's probably, if I had to guess, I would probably guess it's a bit of both. Because mm. I'm also thinking about uh, how one of the big criticisms that people always say uh for why the last man is that it's it's outdated sexual politics you know because when why the last man came out that it came out at a time when people didn't really think about uh what it means Gender. to be transgender and yeah and things of that nature it was it was more of a of a the culture was more just you know binary and you know male and female you know very simple uh, to understand that the last man is just the last man you know yeah and it didn't the comic didn't really explore uh transgender issues or non-binary issues or or people uh so i, I feel like part of me thinks that BKV probably with the passage of time and, and by the time he was that just King trying to saga, be responsive
0: to those yeah yeah yeah
1: i, I think I think he was trying to be responsive and, and responsible in terms of, you know, writing a – it's a science fiction and fantasy story and a space opera. But, you know, I think most people want to create a story that still somehow reflects the world that we live in. So I could you know, see him creating yeah. – uh, including more characters, not just to be inclusive and, and diverse, but also maybe – in a way to respond to the stories that he did in the past um yeah so i, I and i do think that a lot of the stuff there's different scenes here and there in saga that that directly comment on being transgender like the conversation that uh Petricor has with hazel at one point and and she's asking petrichor hazel is asking putricore about uh her body and, and and all that you know so it's like very explicit very direct and and that's something that you didn't really see in something like why the last man mm-hmm. yeah so i i do wonder if if people who had read why the last man and and weren't satisfied with its approach to those topics could read saga you know if they haven't sworn off BKV and yeah and you know get something out of it. Yeah. Hmm. It's it's also uh fascinating to me because that trailer for why just came out the other day and like the the comments on Twitter, like there's there's definitely a lot of negative stuff out on, on those Twitter threads. Where yeah people were just you know Bashing on the the story for being
0: about a last man. Yeah, (laughs) yeah. The idea that we tell we finally get a or he wants to tell a story about how all the men on earth died. This was a literal comment that I saw where they were like, they want to tell a story about how all most of the men on the planet die, and uh and it's a catastrophe right hmm. as as if they were like rolling their eyes at the thought that all the men on the planet dying would you know just because the idea is like if all the men died like it's it's almost this self-aggrandizing uh love of uh <laughs> of men right <laughs> because it's it's this idea that Oh, how important see, like look at how important he thinks men are that yeah. if they all died, like that society would fall into just despair. But realistically speaking, even if the reverse if the reverse opposite story were told, if all the women died and there was only one woman left, I'm pretty sure it would just be equally as destructive.
1: Yeah. Or let, let's Maybe just more say so. that let's just say that half the planet Died, regardless of gender, you know yeah there would still be a it would it would that would just change the world you know if just having a bunch yeah. of people die
0: heck we we mm-hmm. just suffered through a year of covid yeah, and our society barely survived that we're we're kind of still <laughs> on the brink it's <laughs> a good point <laughs> like. I mean, I think the thing that people fail to see is is just that, right? He's just telling a story from his perspective of just it. There is some gendered commentary there, and he's allowed that. He's, you know, he he has his perspectives on on it, and he's telling that story through the perspective that he understands, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, to the best of his ability, he's telling a fictionalized story about how he thinks society would change if there was, if all the male species of the planet just up and died one day. Mm
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. You know? Yeah. So, and, like, and that isn't to say that he's some sort of, like, male chauvinist or something. Like, he's, again, like, take a look at Saga, and you'll see he's clearly a dude who's, progressive and open minded enough to try his best to address these things. Mm-hmm. So you know, I like to anyone who would have something to say about why the last man on the on those bases I'd say just try to have an open mind and you know uh don't I wouldn't recommend that someone take it so personally as to think that it's an attack on a specific gender.
1: Yeah, exactly, exactly. It's, yeah, It. I think if you, if someone goes to Why the Last Man trying to look for uh, things to get angry about, they're, they're going to pretty easily find it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like, it,
0: anyone yeah, can just... find anything to get angry about. <laughs> 2021 has shown us that. Yeah, that's true.
1: That is true man. That is true. But at the same time I I don't really think that the story of why the last man is is outdated or anything like that either. I I think it it holds up man. I I think Yeah. Yeah, I mean we'll we'll, we'll talk about why at some future point, I'm sure. But mm-hmm. uh I I guess it just came up in my mind because because of the, the trailer and, and also because of uh, the themes that we were just discussing in, in Saga in terms yeah. of uh, sexuality and, and diversity. Were there any uh, other plot elements that uh, you wanted to discuss before we uh, wrap it up? Um, or any characters that you had an affinity towards besides good well. old Goose?
0: <laughs> uh. Uh I I did like Sophie. Like I thought she yeah. she ended up being a pretty cool character. Uh Yeah.
1: I, yeah. I want to see what ends up happening with Sophie Lioncat and and Gwendolyn.
0: Yeah. I was also going to say uh Izzy was actually another character that I enjoyed.
1: Yeah. You know. Yeah, when 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 that two-headed person uh killed her, I was part of me was like, wait, is she? does that actually like completely her? annihilate her? Yeah. Because I I was I kept wondering if she was just gonna come back at some point, but
0: I guess enough issues have passed where it kind of feels like it's, it's final. a permanent death. Yeah. Well, see, but that's another example of. I mean, again. Because Brian on I because I understand what he's trying to do. It's like okay, like uh, for the purposes of pathos, that like I get it. You know, the the stakes are real, and he wants to be able to tell a story with impact. Okay, and I'm I'm fine with that. But you know, it's it it's a thing with kind of shaky rules, right? Where the two headed guy kills basically kills a ghost. And it's like, uh okay. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's it's fairly convenient, but you know, I'll I'll just suspend my disbelief in in order to uh accept the story for what it is, you know? Yeah.
1: Yeah. I mean the dude or the two headed person was pretty confident that they killed Izzy. Yeah. And Hazel did feel like she clutched her heart when that yeah. happened too. So it, yeah. It feels like Izzy really is gone. Yeah. Which is, which is sad. Yeah. She was a she was a fun character for being a a ghost wh- who had a trail of intestines hanging out <laughs> of her body. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Actually, uh, that that kind of reminds me of uh what I always say when, whenever we talk about Invincible about how Invincible. They always go for the gore and and depict all the the blood and guts and the violence, but they never show anything. They don't show nudity. They they don't really show any sex kind of stuff. Saga is almost kind of like the opposite, where the the violence isn't too violent. Mm-hmm. People die and stuff, but it never feels like you just see a bunch of entrails flying around. You know, like it the it doesn't. The shots don't linger on the yeah on the gore, but then there's there's like so much sex and nudity <laughs> in this book. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, like that's uh staples draws genitalia like multiple times.
0: Yeah, there are times where, well, I, you know when you're not expecting it and you just see like a face full of it when you turn the page. Yeah, it's like. I needed to brace myself for that.
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: Weren't a yes. guy. <laughs> that, that's why I wouldn't give this comic to a kid. Yeah. yeah. Unless I just really didn't like his parents.
0: <laughs>
1: Let me ask you another question, Albert. But yeah. how confident are you in BKV to nail the ending?
0: I'm pretty confident. I mean, he's consistently done it and... He strikes me as a guy who who has these things planned out to a T, you know? Um mm-hmm. he If I had to guess, he he strikes me as the kind of guy who has an ending, a particular ending in mind before the series even starts.
1: I remember he did say that when he starting the series he knew what the first page was going to be and he knew what the last page was going to be
0: yeah so you know when you've thought it out that meticulously uh, well okay maybe not meticulously because he you know just because he has like the the, the first page and the last page doesn't necessarily mean he's um, put in all the connective tissue but still like I I have enough confidence in him as a writer just from past experiences and just from what I know of his process to to say that it's it's something that's going to be true to true to him as a writer and it's going to be cohesive and um yeah like I and do you, do you think the ending is going to rip your heart out? Probably it wouldn't surprise me <laughs> <laughs> i I'm more inclined to believe that that's the case than not, yeah,
1: what do like, you think about people oh go ahead,
0: well, I was gonna say i mean we've we've already gotten to a point where he he's done some pretty heavy emotional damage, so i I guess I am yeah. kind of curious what more he can do after that, <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah, exactly I mean, like robot prince robot or Sir Robot, whatever you want to call him, and Marco were two of the main characters this whole time. And, like, the last two issues, both of them meet their ends. Yeah, Yeah. so it's like, dude. And yet, like, he's always introducing new characters, too. Like, I I do wonder who's going to show up and what's he going to create in in the second half of... What are they going to create in the second half of this story? Like, I'm just so curious, man. I was but I wanted to ask you too about what you think about uh all those detractors and and people who always complain about BKV's endings like without spoiling those comics but I'm just thinking of specifically why The Last Man uh X-Machina and Runaways because a lot of people uh didn't really like how those ended especially X-Machina and Y I would say like
0: I remember i was going to say I don't of remember anyone those I was I don't really remember anyone having anything specifically bad to say about why, but maybe I just wasn't looking hard enough yeah, and I think i
1: of the two of us, I think I tend to plunge my hands into the filth <laughs> dregs of the internet far more than you do, yeah well i'm like a I'm like an archaeologist for bad ideas like i want to find out takes yeah exactly i want to find out all the bad takes that that people have about comics i like (laughs) (laughs) just so i can just so i can stew in my fury and be like how can people how can people like this bad comic how can people hate this good comic
0: yeah (laughs) i don't know i tend to think his endings are pretty poetic or well okay why The Last Man I thought it had a pretty poetic ending. Um whereas I felt that with Ex Machina I was satisfied with it, you know? Like mm. I I still don't see why people don't like it, but okay, whatever. Like uh, we can talk about that when we you know talk uh about talk about sometimes. Ex Machina further. But yeah. Um I mean, I I want to say that I'm the kind of person that his endings are for cuz I tend to like a lot of endings that a lot of people don't like. So, yeah. Let, let's let's base it off that, right? So, uh I'm thinking about uh, notoriously bad endings. Like I I might be one of the few people who who is fine with the ending of Game of Thrones, <laughs> you know? Mhm.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, I actually haven't seen it to the end, but and I, I, I do remember a, a lot of people, like... A lot of people hated that. Yeah, like, they they made a campaign or something,
0: right? <laughs> they, yeah, they made a campaign where they wanted to raise money to redo the eighth season. Like, Delusional. That, that wasn't going to happen, but I I don't think it was about actually getting it done as much as it was just Making a meant scene. as an insult. Yeah. As a slap to the face to the creators, you know? Yeah, yeah. That's pretty dumb. Yeah, it's pretty entitled. I don't respect that. Yeah. I disrespect it. <laughs> Another example that I can think of is uh The Sopranos. Like Oh yeah. That's something that has a a notorious ending like I'm pretty sure everybody hated it, but I love it, man. I love that ending. Like without giving away spoilers, I like mm-hmm. I just It's the sort of thing, it's the sort of ending where once I finished it and I stopped and I thought about it, I was like, "That's genius," you know. Yeah. Like the 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 subtext of it all was was what made it meaningful to me. hmm Um, and heck, another one that I can think of is like Evangelion the series. Oh yeah, that's, yeah. That's something that gets a lot of hate for its ending, but I think it's just a magnificent ending. You know. Yeah,
1: I love I love the Neon Genesis Evangelion TV series ending. I mean, I, yeah. I, I like the movies too, but. I don't have any hate or I don't have any disdain at all for the, yeah. the series, man. I love it. Yeah. I mean, that was something where that's
0: it's artful, man. People, a lot of people just don't get it. Yeah. It, it's just emotionally powerful and resonant, you know, it doesn't mm-hmm. for me personally, it doesn't matter that the ending didn't necessarily conclude like the story points that they wanted conclusions to, you know, yeah. Like I I know that that's a funny way to put it, but it it gave us an emotional conclusion. Yeah, exactly. Like I didn't need to sit there and find out what happened to every little last thing or person. Mhm. And mm-hmm. yeah, sure, maybe it was a little frustrating to have some of those things up in the air, but the ending that I did get was powerful enough where where when I was done with it, I just kind of sat on it for a couple of days, you know, just yeah, something that thinking makes you about think. what the experience was. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So, so that being said, like I, I'm, I'm pretty sure that whatever his ending is, unless it really was Agatha all along, <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to be okay with it, you know? Yeah. Yeah.
1: I'm, I'm also going to say, That personally speaking, I think knowing that a lot of people, a lot of loud people, don't like something just makes me more inclined to like it. (laughs) (laughs) Just being perfectly honest here, man. Like the more I get enjoyment
0: from their spite. Exactly. I I
1: get I get something out of their disappointment. (laughs) I I feel it makes me more satisfied.
0: I get that. I get that. You know, there are certain characters knowing that they're unhappy, I I would eat that up with a spoon. Yeah. <laughs> Any final thoughts on Saga? Uh Yeah, well, no. Uh I think I think I'm just uh I'm looking forward to the day that they uh continue on their journey. It 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 ends on a pretty pretty huge cliffhanger and uh i'm glad that i read it now as opposed to a couple of years ago Mm -hmm. where you know i would have been sitting on it for an additional three years waiting for (laughs) some for whatever happens next i mean who knows how long i'm gonna have to wait now but uh you know other than that uh i'm glad i did read it and um I'm going to look forward to when more of it comes out.
1: Yeah, it's it's going to be big when it comes back out, man. I I think I think it's going to be a, a big deal. And I do from what I heard uh I, I believe that Fiona Staples is working on it too. Like I think they want to get uh a certain number of issues complete before they put it back out there. Yeah. Yeah, yeah makes sense i don't, I don't think they, they want to get a to, good head start yeah yeah they don't yeah. want too many delays derailing or anything so yeah and and i don't i wouldn't want them to like break their backs trying to meet deadlines either you know like i'd rather yeah. they just take their time and do a good job and yeah and uh you know i don't want her to get arthritis from drawing too much
0: yeah and we would don't... never get it <laughs> Yeah, I don't want quality to suffer. You know, I'm I'm fine with them just taking their time and doing what they need to do.
1: Yeah, and in the meantime, we'll just read other comics.
0: Yep, exactly. It's not like we don't have a, uh, a shortage of other things to read.
1: Yeah. So, are there any recommendations you would offer to people who enjoy Saga and and are just looking for something something else to read? Uh, or I guess even watcher. Watch if if that's the case. It doesn't have to be a, a book or a comic.
0: Yeah, it's this was a question that I had to think long and hard about and it's 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 something that's hard for me to pin down, you know? Like So you wouldn't recommend Star Wars or Game of Thrones? <laughs> <laughs> uh not specifically. If if what you're if you're trying to get your emotional fix from something similar, uh, you know, while you're waiting for more issues of Saga to come out, I don't think Star Wars and Game of Thrones would be, would do that. At least it wouldn't do that for me. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I don't really have anything. Uh, it, it's, I guess it's unique enough where it's kind of its own thing. Uh,. It's hard for me to really pin down something that would be a spiritual contemporary for it, you know?
1: Yeah, yeah, I can understand that. What about you? Yeah, I, I, I struggle to come up with points of reference or points of comparison either. Um, I think the only thing I can really truly offer with no reservations as a compliment to Saga is, is just reading BKV's other long form stories specifically yeah. Why the Last Man Ex Machina, Runaways, Paper Girls, like those are the things that if you like Saga I'm pretty sure you'll like those comics even though they're all different from what Saga is mm-hmm. but the the stuff that holds them together is that he writes characters that you care about and he puts them through hell and he rips your heart out (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) if you want that emotional journey read read all his comics yeah yeah it's true all right so next week we will come back with our next read-through of invincible we'll be covering volumes 16 and 17 i believe so i'm looking forward to that uh as as usual, uh, hit us up on our social media. We're always posting stuff on Instagram. I'll probably post a bunch of pictures from Saga to accompany this episode, as well as random pictures of whatever whatever we happen to be reading. Maybe Albert mm-hmm. will be
0: putting up some pictures of his dog. those uh yeah are the between the gutters instagram has become my the unofficial home of pictures of my dog (laughs) yeah if you want more dog pics
1: reply to our comments and tell you got to demand them from albert (laughs) all right everybody uh oh yeah you can email us at between the gutters podcast at gmail.com okay and we are signing off thanks for listening peace out Bye, guys.